Today's podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, and medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburn, rashes, and other types of skin damage. And the best part is that it's safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for use on all skin types and all parts of the body, even with rosacea, eczema, or acne-prone skin. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the littlest member of your family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. I have three kids. We have injuries in our house almost daily, and so it's so nice to have active skin repair to reach for in my cabinet because I know that it's safe, natural, and non-toxic. We use it for things like burns or scrapes or cuts. My youngest daughter recently had a really bad finger injury and we were using it on her and it did not sting or burn her at all. So it was perfect. Today, as a listener of this podcast, you can get a special discount on your order of active skin repair. Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more and to get 20% off your order, use code no one told us. That's activeskinrepair.com code no one told us for 20% off your order. Welcome back to the No One Told Us podcast. I am Rachel, your host, and today I'm so excited to have Lauren Paley, otherwise known as the Stairwell Siren. Lauren is a music and lifestyle content creator and a mom, best known for her haunting covers that she records in her garage stairwell. When her husband's job went remote during the pandemic, recording music in a one-bedroom apartment became a challenge, and it was during this time that Lauren stumbled upon the incredible acoustics of the stairwell, and since dedicating her time to growing her social media presence, she's amassed a total of over 12 million followers across her platforms. When she isn't posting covers, she's sharing glimpses of her personal life as a new mom to her adorable 18-month-old Piper, and I'm loving the Disney content as well because my kids are super into (laughs) all the Disney songs, so they love watching those videos of you guys. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. That makes me so happy. Hi, thank you for having me. I have been a fan of your content and you since having Piper. Immediately, you popped up on my feed, and I was like, yes, this woman gets it. Like, I don't feel... (laughs) Like I'm crazy right now. So that's honestly my goal <laughs> is helping one me. mom at a time feel less crazy and more normal. I appreciate you oh, so much. Yeah. And yeah, it ma- oh yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense that the algorithm served you my content because our kids are my youngest and and your daughter are super close in age. I think they're only like three or four months apart. So we have a lot wow. in common there and a lot of ground to cover today. I would love, since you brought it up first, yeah. I would love to first kind of talk about your journey with sleep with Piper, because I know you've been like really kind of open and honest with your struggles with sleep since birth. And I would love for you to just kind of share about some of the specific challenges that you guys have had and how is it different to maybe how you thought it would look when you were pregnant? I thought that I would be sleeping by now. (laughs) I think So Piper has always struggled with sleep and we had blamed it on just everything under the sun. So we thought it was, you know, reflux for a while. And then it was gas when she was younger. And then she was actually on a beta blocker for a deep hemangioma on her right eye, 
like on her right eyebrow. So she was on propranolol, which is a known sleep disturber for a good chunk of her life, like about six months. So we're like, oh, it must be that. And then it got to a point where like, I think it's her. Like, I think she's just (laughs) a low sleep needs baby. It's like nighttime is so daunting for us. But then in the morning when the sun comes up, she's the happiest kid. So we're like, what are we doing wrong? Like, is it diet? Is it this? Is it that? And then we're like, I think it's just something that we have to accept. Like she has not slept through the night ever. And I honestly am so used to it now that like if she did start sleeping through the night, I would be like, what's going on? Like I'm worried. You'd be up. You'd be yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, we're yeah, we're up. So we actually just moved to. We bought a house. We just moved to a house, and she is officially in her own room. We co-slept for most of her life. Um, we were in like our small apartment, and she slept next to us in her bassinet for a while, and then it just really was not working out to the point where like okay, like once we felt comfortable enough, and she was like big enough. We're like, okay, let's just plop her in the middle of the bed. And that's kind of how we survived Um, Mm -hmm. until, you know, we moved to the house. We started, we're like, she's not going to want to sleep in her bed. Like she's going to still want to be with us. That she honestly, I think started to not like sleeping with us because she's Mm -hmm. so active when she sleeps, she will literally roll and kick. We slept on the edges of the bed. Like we're in a big king bed and she's like, had like a sliver Oh my gosh. Yeah. She would just do three sixties all night, like kicking us in the face to the point where like, okay, I think she'd actually do so much better in her own bed. So now she's in like her little toddler floor bed and it's a full size bed. So it's actually not a toddler bed at all. It's a big bed. We have bumpers to keep her from rolling off in the middle of the night because she did it three times. And then we're like, we need to do something. We need to get bumpers (laughs) or something to keep this girl in place. And I, I wouldn't say she's sleeping well now, but she's sleeping better because she has the room to move and kick. Well, and a a full size is nice too, because then you have the room to kind of go in and lay down with, with her if needed. I love that. (laughs) And I think a lot of people, when they move, they really worry that it's going to throw off sleep, but sometimes it's almost like a little reset where whatever was happening in the last house, like that's just not going to happen now because we're in a different space. And so sometimes that's when kids actually do start to sleep better or they like get excited about having their own room or a new bed or something. So that's super interesting. I'm sure people ask you this all the time and maybe they ask in a not so nice way because I see that happening on social media all the time. But do you ever get the questions of like, well, why don't you just sleep train? Or, oh, if you sleep trained, this wouldn't be happening. Do you get my entire... Oh, my entire motherhood. That's like pretty much what it's been like. I I really stopped wanting to share kind of about my experience mm. with sleep because of that reason. Like even if I mention, oh, like Piper didn't sleep well or she's not napping right now, I my DMs would blow up with just unsolicited advice. And it was yeah. all about sleep training and it's it, – it's something that we did consider at one point, but because Piper is such a high needs uh, child, it she would get so upset 
to the point where she'd like make herself throw up. And I just couldn't handle it. Honestly, it stressed me out more listening to a cry in our like small apartment. It's like she was sleeping in our room anyways. So it's like, I couldn't really escape it. And I just didn't like want to, I was like, you know, I just don't think this is for us. Mm -hmm. There's days where I'm like, I don't know if I can continue to do this, but it's like, I've already seen improvement just because she is getting older and just learning how to communicate a little bit better. Like I already see improvement and that's why you stuck out to me because you were always like sleep, you know, sleep training isn't for everyone. And I was so under the like impression that every baby like, you know, did well with sleep training. It was just hard at first and then it got better, but no baby is the same. So that was something that I was like, you know, I'm just going to tune out the people. I'm just going to stop responding to the DMs. I'm just going to do what works for me. I have friends that their, their kids have thrived with sleep training and that's great. Like more power to them, but Piper is just not that girl. (laughs) It just doesn't work for her. and hasn't worked for us. So we're just kind of like, all right, like, let's just let's wait. Let's see what happens with her naturally as she, she gets a little bit older. I love that. And I love that you just said, I don't want to. And I think sometimes we think we have to give people all these like reasons and explanations for why we don't want to sleep train. And honestly, it can just be that simple. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> like, that's yeah, a good I, enough I, reason. Especially me. I feel like I'm like a, a people pleaser in the sense, like, I just have to give an excuse. But it's just yeah. like, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work for us. And maybe it, it, it'll work if we have another baby. Maybe that baby will sleep great. Maybe she won't. Right. Yeah. But temperament is so I don't know. Huge. It just never. Temperament is huge. I just remember like researching like high needs baby. Like what is, what mm-hmm. does this mean? Like is, why is she so different? Why is she so different than every other like kids baby in our parents baby why is she different than than me why was she different than my brother I'm like my parents telling me oh like you didn't sleep well but like you didn't sleep like Piper I'm like yeah (laughs) yeah Piper's just she's different than any child that I've ever I've ever met and that's okay she's just like a high needs low sleep needs baby and that's okay it's a tough it's a tough combo for the parents. Did you and Dan always agree on your approach to like sleep and parenting and stuff? Or did you guys ever have any disagreements with like him really wanting to sleep train or wanting her out of the bed? How did you guys kind of navigate that? At first, he didn't really want her in the bed just because he didn't want to like start that like, and then have it yeah. like not be able to stop. But mm-hmm. we're lucky in the sense that we had the luxury of me being a full-time mom content creator that sets my own schedule. So mm-hmm. I think that if we both worked, you know, jobs where we had to leave the house, get up really, really early and be out late, it would be a different story. I think we would be struggling a lot more to find a program or something that would have worked for her. But because mm-hmm. we both had the luxury, he worked from home forever. And I still work from home. So, you know, I can be in my PJs all day if I want and just kind of struggle through the day if it's a really bad night. 
versus, you know, I have friends that, you know, go to work. So they really had to figure the sleep out. Um, But yeah, we disagreed at times. But for the most part, we both can't handle the crying. Like we both have a really, it's really hard on both of us to hear her cry at all. Like he, he's the one that will be like, I can't do this. I'm like, yeah, I I feel that too. But I'm glad that I'm glad that you took the action first. Yeah, I mean, I think most parents don't want to hear the crying, right? Like, it's so upsetting to us. And it like, I mean, I just remember when we were attempting sleep training with my first, I would be like sweating, my heart would be racing. Oh yeah. My heart rate. Like, it's I like cortisol like, just shoots up. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just, I could not do it. I'd be like in a fetal position crying, like listening to him cry and looking back, it was so stupid, but yeah, it's, it's really tough. So I'm glad that you have a partner that's supportive. And I mean, like you mentioned, it is totally worth mentioning that not sleep training and kind of just like following baby's lead and just waiting for things to get better. It is, you know, there is a little bit of privilege to that, right? Where absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm similar with my second two kids. I've been able to be at home while I work. And with my first, that was kind of like the main reason we tried sleep training because I was getting ready to go back to work and I was freaking out about, you know, I'm not going to be able to nurse him to sleep. How is he going to fall asleep? He has to be independent to go to daycare and I'm not going to be able to get up. Right. And like you said, like he is my highly sensitive kid. Sleep training didn't work for him. We tried several times and it just never stuck. And so I just went to work like kind of a zombie for, you know, several months until he started sleeping through the night on his own. So yeah, it's, it's really hard. And it's hard when you have a kid that, like you said, is a little bit different, wired a little bit differently. And it's just, it's not something that's going to work for them. And nobody really talks about that. People act like sleep training is this like magical fix that's going to work for every family. And it just, yeah, unfortunately, the whole like one size fits all outlook from like friends and just like followers of mine that really like, Oh, have you tried this? Like, Oh, have you tried a, you know, the hatch? (laughs) Like I've tried everything. Like like, I've tried it all. Name it. I've tried it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And people are still doing that. And I'm like, guys, I've been desperate. Like I have tried everything and it just hasn't worked. Like it's definitely just going to be something that she grows out of. Like I know one day my daughter will sleep through the night, but Mm -hmm. that's not, it's not her time right now. It's, it's good on some days. It's, it's not good on other days. Throw teething into the mix, throw like a bunch of other things. Then it's just, it's just it's like there's coaster. no yeah exactly exactly so it's definitely it, it gets on my nerves I think that's like the most stressful thing about being like a a social media like online content creator is is the unsolicited advice it just makes my blood boil even if it's somebody really trying to help yeah it's still yeah, I mean I'm I think like, a lot of times it comes from a good place but it's yeah, it's it's hard. And I can't even imagine you have like 20 times the followers that I have. So I cannot even imagine how many comments and DMs you must receive with unsolicited advice and people actually not being so nice because just judging by the ones that I get, it's it's wild out there, especially oh on TikTok. Gosh. I feel like people people really become unhinged on TikTok. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, TikTok is a, is a crazy, crazy place. It's funny though. I find more 
negativity on Instagram, which is weird. Maybe oh, it's just because people, I don't know. I get like DMs from people that like aren't parents on Instagram, like thinking like they, they know best or like men. I'm like, excuse me. Like you have no uh, when idea. When the men start like, entering the chat, I'm like, I gotta go. Like, no, I, no, no. I Leave don't want to hear your opinion on anything. We're going to take a quick break, Lauren. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about social media and how you navigate it as a mom. Perfect. Now, if you know me, you know that I love to cook and I love creating healthy meals for my family. But even more than that, I love things that are easy and convenient. And even though I love to cook dinner for my kids, sometimes for things like lunches or if I'm just going to be working at night and need something easy for myself to grab, I love Factors meals. And especially now in the spring and summertime where we've got more plans, we're busier, we're outside, we're going out and doing things more. Having Factor meals in my fridge is such a game changer because they're healthy, they're zero prep and they're so fresh and delicious factors fresh and never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes right from your microwave so no matter how busy you are you always have time to enjoy nutritious and great tasting meals and when i tell you they are actually delicious i 100 recommend these my mom even recently asked me are they really good i heard you talking about them on your podcast but is it are you really saying that you like them and i said yes you have to order them they are actually so so yummy so what are you waiting for? There are 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons you can choose from each week. So you always have new flavors to explore. You'll never get bored with the same old meals. They truly taste like restaurant quality. So you don't feel like you're depriving yourself of anything. It actually feels like you're fueling up your body with delicious food that is real and super, super nutrient dense. So you can enjoy this effortless support to your lifestyle, choose from six menu preferences to help you manage whatever goals you have, and simply just eat well-balanced, delicious, easy food. Head to factormeals.com slash no one told us 50 and use code no one told us 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. So this is an amazing deal. That's code no one told us 50 at factormeals.com slash no one told us 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% of your next month while your subscription is active. And feel free to send me a message and ask me for my favorite meals because I love talking about them and I'll be happy to help you choose. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Okay, we're back with Lauren, and I would love to talk to you. We were just talking before the break about how just crazy social media can be, and especially in the mom space, just constant like unsolicited advice, negative comments, mean comments, bullying, all of it. How do you balance sharing your life with your audience and also protecting not only your mental health, but like your family's 
privacy and and your daughter's well-being? How do you figure all that out with so many followers? I've just accepted that I'm never going to do anything right by all. Mm -hmm. So it's like if I choose maybe not to post Piper in a video or not post her as much, I get people like, where's Piper? We want Piper. Like, I miss Piper. Like, okay. Like, I don't really care, (laughs) first of all. But it's like if I do want to include her in my videos just because I am a full-time mom, she's a part of my life, she's around when I film – I also am doing wrong because then people are like, you are, you know, using your daughter for attention. She doesn't want to be in your videos. Like I have people constantly saying like, oh, you're just showing off, but you're using, you're pawning your daughter off for the attention. So you're just singing. She she doesn't care. Like that's what it constantly gets. Like your daughter doesn't seem interested. She doesn't care. Well, I'm like, if she didn't care, like, trust me, this girl loves music. Also, you're seeing a snippet of like, a minute of my life. Like this is one little minute of my life. People comment and like, it's just such a <laughs> mean, unnecessary thing to say in the first place. Oh my like, gosh. Of course. Some days I can brush it off and some days it like eats me. I'm sure it's, it's definitely been a big struggle, especially lately. Like if I have a video going viral and I, I get a lot of comments, you know, about her being involved. I'm like, do I want to continue sharing my daughter online with these people that don't deserve her or, you know, I'm like, I just feel like some people are so, so mean and hurtful with what they say. It's like, I would never post my daughter if I didn't feel like it was a a moment that was special. Like nothing is Mm. curated. I don't force her to do anything. If she's crying, doesn't want any part of it. We are absolutely not doing that today. Most of the times I will just film like a sing-along. That's pretty much what we do. That's like a playtime for us. And I'll film that. But there was a while where I, you know, didn't have a baby and everything I did was just me. And I get comments like, you use your daughter for attention. I'm like, I just involve her in the music in my life. Like for a while, it was the stairwell. And then she came into the picture and my life changed. Like my life is is her so it was so natural for me to want to include her in my music just because I have always dreamt of you know singing to my baby and involving her in that in that life and just in putting you know music into our lives so getting those comments I'm like "Mm, okay like maybe I have to rethink this maybe I have to rethink how I share or if I share her how often I share her. Like I recently took a step back and I was like, maybe I need to start limiting the amount that I share her online. Uh, even yeah. if it's like a, a beautiful moment, it's like, well, how will this be received? Like, I don't yeah. want, I, I don't want those accusations. I also just, I don't want my page to become people obsessing about her too. So I'm like, okay, need to maybe reel it in and get some content filmed without her and do some stuff alone. But it's so hard because I am a full-time mom. Like, right. I, actually, I know they're parents, always around. My, uh, they're always around. And my parents actually just moved to Tennessee with us, like into our house. So oh my God. we bought this house and they moved in with us, which <gasps> we haven't had family around 
So it is so nice to have them here. I mean, obviously we have our ups and downs of our, but yeah, of course, of course it's, it's a double edged sword. Exactly. It's such a difference having like somebody like she's with her, her Nana right now, which is so amazing, amazing because I feel like I couldn't do anything for a while. Like I had, she was just always here. So it was like when yeah. Dan got off work, I could maybe film like a cover or song or something, or like on the weekends, he would take her to do something and maybe I could film then. So I'm still getting used to the fact that like I have time now to maybe like That's incredible. film content alone or like get stuff done. But I still don't like to, I don't want my mom to feel like she constantly has to be doing that, right. even though I'm sure she right. she loves it and she absolutely would. I just, I'm so used to not having help that it's hard for yeah, me it's to, hard to, ask. to take her up on it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find a balance. It takes, it takes some time. That's so incredible though, that you're going to have that support because like you said, as they get older and they're around more, it's, it's harder. I remember a moment that I had, I'm sure you're recognized in public all the time. And a moment that I had when I kind of started to really rethink sharing my kids online was we were recognized at the park, like for one of the first times. Mm -hmm. And this woman approached me and she was so sweet. Like it's mostly moms that follow me. Right. And they're all so lovely and wonderful. But she was like, oh my gosh, I I wasn't sure if it was you, but then I recognized your kids and I thought it must be you. And mm. I was like, "Yeah, oh wow. boy, okay. And like I said, it's like almost most scary have, when you think of it like yeah. that. And most people have such pure intentions and it's, they feel like they know us because they watch us every day. But if you're approaching my kids, they don't know you. And like, that's not Absolutely. safe for me to be teaching them that anybody can just come talk to them whenever they want, because you know, when they're little and they're with us all the time, it's one thing, but my kids are now older. They're out in the world. They're out at school. Like scary or creepy things can happen. And so it's it's refreshing to hear you talk about just having that awareness and being like, okay, mm-hmm. like this is maybe working right now, but I might have to rethink it in the future to protect our kids because there are so many people out there that really do exploit their kids for views, for money. And it's it's scary. And I can see that. And I like hate that. So I'm like, wait a second, is that what people think of me? Like, I never want to be like that. I don't really truly care what they think, but I don't want Piper to think that in the future. Right, right. So I'm constantly like, maybe when she gets a little bit older, no, I'll give her the choice. I've seen a lot of mom influencers, like friends of mine that have chosen to stop showing their, you know, kids at a certain age, like when Mm -hmm. they got a little bit older um, just because they felt like at that point they had a choice and could say, you right. know, no, right. um, but it's, it's, it's just so hard because I truly like love the moments that I capture with her. I love yeah. singing with her. I feel like it makes a lot of people happy too. It like yeah. makes me so happy. And I just, I love sharing it, but it's like, there is a limit for how much I am willing to share and it's such a tricky balance I need to set a limit for yeah it's such a tricky balance especially with especially with the video format because like I'm mostly active on Instagram versus TikTok and Mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier on Instagram because I can still like snap a photo of just like them in the background or the backs of their heads or something like that and like share a little anecdote or something but with video like with what you do it's a lot harder to to hide them or to like shoot at a certain angle because they're little kids, they're moving around. Like it's just, it's a lot trickier. So yeah. 
Um, there are some does, angles that I've gotten that I love where it's like, she's, it's just like her back. <laughs> but then you have perfect. people like, oh my God, she's, she hates this. She's not doing oh anything. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's like you said, like people are never happy. You can never do anything exactly. right. And so like, why even bother trying? Does Dan right. feel the same way about like your lives being public on social media? Or is he a little more reserved? How do you guys kind of figure that out as a couple and as a family? So he has always, he's like, you meet him and he's like the most outspoken, not shy person, like the life of the party. But when it comes to being filmed, he does get a little bit shy. And Mm. there was a while where he really didn't want to be in any videos. And then for some reason, I think he, I started filming something and he came in singing. He's actually a great singer, which is funny. And I was like, he has a beautiful voice. Right. And I'm like, why don't you want to share this with the world? We've done little duets here and there in the past, but then he like came in singing to the video and I was like, I have to post this. Like, it's so cute. (laughs) You sound so good. And then from there he started getting like attention for it. And he was like, I'm famous. (laughs) And I was like, okay. All he needed was a little confidence. Yeah. And I was like, now he's like suddenly like kind of wanting to sing more, like kind of, breaking out of his shell a little bit. Uh, but that's really funny. He definitely does not want to be filmed all the time. Like we'll never be like a YouTube family. Right. Um, I don't really want that. That's not really like some a goal that I've ever had. But I like the privacy that I feel like my family has. But I, I also feel like people know enough. Like they see enough of Dan to know that like he's there and they he enjoy exists. the content yeah. he's a part of, but they don't know every single detail about our lives. Um, But he did say something to me the other day about Piper and content. And I was like, you know, I feel like I have shared a lot of stuff with her recently. And he was like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a little much. And I was like, kind Mm -hmm. of hurt by that. But I was like, wait a second, like, maybe it is a little much. It's always just good to have those conversations and to be like, to have that person to put you in check or even just, just to like, make you think like, hmm no, I think you're wrong. Or actually like you might have a point. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable with how much she's being shown, maybe that says something. So I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it made me kind of take a step back. And I was like, you know, I think I can do some stuff alone. Like it also gives me a chance to explore more, you know, more music and other stuff and come up with like, I definitely wanted to transition from music to like music lifestyle. So I'm like, this gives Mm -hmm. me a chance to kind of explore more ideas in different types of content too. So it's a win-win. I love that. (laughs) I love that. We're going to be right back. And I would love to chat when we return from the break about postpartum mental health and your experience with postpartum anxiety. So we'll be right back. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. So Lauren, I know that you're really passionate about talking about postpartum mental health and I have definitely had my struggles with postpartum depression and anxiety and past pregnancies and and postpartums too. So I would love to just kind of hear your experience with postpartum anxiety. When did you first notice it crop up? Did you know what was happening? How did that all play out for you? It's funny because I feel like I'm an anxious person. I was a little bit nervous just doing research about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. I was a little bit nervous about how I was going to deal with being a mom. Like, was I going to be the chill mom or, Mm. or not? Um, And it's funny because looking back now, I diagnosed myself recently with postpartum anxiety Um, there. I had really high, like the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, which I'm sure, you know, every mom Mm -hmm. goes through this. But looking back now, as I talk about like my breastfeeding and pumping journey, I realized a lot of the reason that I started pumping full time instead of breastfeeding and and combo feeding was because of anxiety. I Mm. had a kind of a hard start to breastfeeding just because Piper had a really shallow latch and I didn't mm. realize that that this wasn't right. Like this is not what breastfeeding is supposed to feel like. And she damaged my nipples so bad. It was like bloody and scarred <gasps> and awful. I got <sighs> on like an antibiotic ointment. It was just terrible, but I was determined. I was like, there's no way, like I'm not going to continue this. So I would pump and then try to feed her and it was just still hurting. We tried nipple shields. We we met with IBCLCs. And then she had bad reflux. And we brought mm. her to our pediatrician. And she said, maybe you should just try giving her bottles for about like 10 days, let's say. I told her I had a really strong, um, why am I losing the word right now? Uh, Let down. Breastfeeding. Let <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Really, really <laughs> strong too. let down mm-hmm. and it would like choke her. So she was like, maybe mm-hmm. she's taking in air. It's making things worse. She's getting like gassy. So maybe just try pumping. And then I got like obsessed with seeing how much she was getting. I just felt oh, like yeah. she wasn't gaining weight enough. I was like, you know, I liked the idea of seeing how much breast milk she was like I was giving her, I was pumping mm-hmm. and I would try to breastfeed her, but then I'd be stressed. Like she's not getting enough. 
So I want to pump. I want to know exactly how much she's getting. And I pumped so much. Like I did not let myself sleep through the night. Like even if there was a, she actually slept better as a newborn than she does now. Um, that's a we'd wake her to feed her. Dan and I both had anxiety for sure. Like we'd wake her to feed her maybe even when she didn't need to be woken up anymore, just because we were Mm -hmm. like, she still looks really skinny. She had, she had hit her, her weight, um, when she was at her two week appointment. So she was totally fine to sleep through the night, but I think we were still like, maybe we should still feed her because maybe she's actually hungry or maybe she's not getting enough still. It was like this constant thing. So it became, instead of me really trying to breastfeed full time and trying to like mend that like relationship, I just like relied on the pump. I was like, Mm. I just, feel like now I just need to know. And then we would weigh her constantly. We had a bath with a scale in it. And Dan was like, I don't think she's gained any weight. I was like, Oh, no, well, maybe I should just pump and not even try to put her on the boob. So it was just like this constant, like, are we giving her enough? It, it just, it was definitely an anxiety thing. And I continued to pump through the night, sometimes twice a night, till she was way past 12 weeks. And I remember posting about them like, yeah, I pumped this many times a night. And my doula actually messaged me. She's like, Hey girl, like you you should sleep, you know, like you, your body's probably regulated. But I was like, no, I really need to make sure that like my body keeps up with the amount of milk. Like I, I need to be making enough milk. I was so like stressed about that too. And it's actually funny because Piper has a dairy allergy, but we didn't know. Um, We had assumed, so I cut out dairy. She actually still has, like if we put milk or some type of like dairy on her face, she'll break out. Like it's like this, it's like a, yeah, it's, it's not just tummy trouble or anything. It is literally like a full on skin reaction. So it's interesting now because for a while I was like, you know, I could just give her like formula. And there was times where I like kind of wanted to like supplement, but looking back, I'm like, maybe it's better. I didn't because I would have straight up given her like whole milk formula and then that would have been rough. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. So it was just like this constant thing. Like I need to be making enough milk. And then I made so much milk Then I filled freezers and then I like it donated it. And it was just like this constant cycle. So my pumping journey was rooted a lot in anxiety. I'm glad I did it. I did it for 14 months. That's amazing. Wow. And looking back now, I'm like, you could have been a little bit more chill. You could have given yourself a break. <laughs> like I was so hard on myself. Like I could have gotten a lot more sleep. I was just so stressed and had so much pressure on my mind. Nobody was putting pressure on me either. I think it was just like a, a pressure that I created for myself. Like you need to be like, you need to be giving this, this girl breast milk. I think that's such a common thing for people that experience postpartum anxiety. I tend to see these like three buckets that people fall in. It's like, there are the people that are obsessed with feeding and obsessed with like how many ounces they're getting, how much babies gaining weight, all of that. There are the people that are coming to me all the time that are obsessed with sleep and like obsessed Mm -hmm. with following wake windows, how long each nap is, like how many times they're waking up every night. 
And then there are also people that I find that are really anxious about milestones and like when baby is rolling over, when they're sitting, are they crawling? Should they be doing this? Should they be doing that? So I think we all kind of have like our thing if we're anxious people. Um, And, you know, it all just comes from worrying about your baby and wanting the best for them. But what kind of support did you find the most helpful or did you like, was it kind of too late? Like you didn't even realize you were so anxious until you were kind of out of it and saw the light. I feel like it was too late, honestly. I mean, I had people I went to for advice, like my mom, who was constantly like, you should supplement, like, you should give her some (laughs) formula, give yourself a break. And I was like, no, no. And I wasn't sleeping. I was pumping Mm. so much. My hair was falling out at like an alarming rate because postpartum hair loss. But also I was pumping so much. I was losing so much weight too. And just like you were depleted. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was so depleted to a point where like (laughs) over Christmas last year, I was eating something and I felt like I, I, I chewed on something hard and I took it out of my mouth and it was like this white piece of plastic. I was convinced my tooth broke. Like I was like, Oh my God, I'm missing a tooth because like my body is so depleted of calcium. Like I'm missing to my mom was like, I think um, I accidentally baked something into that. I think that's plastic. Like you it's not your are not losing your teeth. You're fine. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like very, very rough. That was probably like the darkest times of my life, honestly, um, just because I was like, this girl isn't sleeping. She's also was stressed about the hemangioma and getting her started on that beta blocker, which is like a whole nother thing. And then the reflux and the, the food allergies and just, it was this whole big so thing. Much. It's so much to the point where just, I, when I reached out for help or if I asked for like advice from people, I also was convinced. I was like, I am fine. Like that, that's Mm. so me to like, just be convinced in the moment. Like everything's fine. Like this is just life. This is just life with the baby and I'll get over it. And when I did reach out for help or if I did like ask, you know, for some advice, I would get like kind of messages that made me feel like maybe I wasn't doing everything right as a mom. And then I Mm. kind of shut down and you get like, Mm when you ask for advice, you also sometimes get messages that are, that can be a little bit like cruel, like they're trying to help, but also it's kind of like a, a, a stab <laughs> too. Right. It's so like I was dig. like, like, Oh, I, well you should have been doing this yeah. or you should have been doing it that yeah. way. Or this wouldn't have happened if, yeah. Yeah. That's really hard. Right. I'm sorry. You or made me feel like my baby was, yeah, honestly, it's my fault. Like I I no. really should have reached out to to a professional. But when you're I in it, it's was... not your it's not your fault. When you're in it, sometimes you don't even realize that that's what's going on. Right. And, and so and I Dan was Dan totally realized it. it too. Yeah. Dan was like, You need to see somebody. You need to get some help. And I was like, I am totally fine. <laughs> like, I am good. I'm like, the thing is, Dan yeah. was also anxious too. He was an anxious father, mm. like constantly worried about his daughter, constantly worried about, you know, the food allergies, the illnesses, illnesses, um, to the point where I was like, you're just feeding my anxiety too. So I'm like, maybe we should both see somebody. <laughs> uh, Honestly, times, I know. But- it's, it's so hard, but I think that's such a common experience where it's like, I mean, that was my experience too, where 
I didn't even realize that I was anxious until I was out of it. And then, you know, for my next pregnancies, I was seeing a therapist so that I was kind of like Mm -hmm. on top of it just in case. And that was so helpful. And my husband did too. And that was so helpful. But yeah, I think just like talking about it and raising that awareness for other people that are becoming parents for the first time is so helpful because then they at least know like what to look for and that you can get help when you're in it. You don't have to just suffer through it and wait for it to go away and pray that it goes away because, you know, you don't have to suffer through the first year or two of your baby's life without exactly. any support. Lauren, I, I was what like, do please you don't think- use me as an example. <laughs> no. I was like, no. I would do Lauren- it not I, this way. No, exactly. I mean, that's kind of like my last question is, what would you go back and tell yourself? Or like, what do you wish... And it can be mental health related or something totally different. But what do you wish that people had told you before becoming a mom? Or what do you feel like nobody tells us or prepares us for well enough before we become parents? First of all, I knew nothing about sleep. I knew nothing about wake windows. I knew nothing about like naps. Not that I necessarily followed any of that to a T, but I just assumed like a baby slept, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I would go back and tell myself, like we talked about earlier, no child is the same. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm constantly, I was constantly reading things about these babies sleeping through the night or, you know, how much these babies drank through the day or like how much weight they were gaining. And I was like, I'm doing this all wrong. And I would go back and say, like, you're doing everything right. There is no perfect baby like every baby is so different every baby has a different temperament you know behavior and I think once I accepted that about Piper that she just was a super energetic low sleep needs high needs baby that my life just got easier because I wasn't so hard on myself blaming myself and she is so smart and wonderful in every single way and just a little bit more difficult in other ways. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, I I, love I didn't do anything wrong. Like I was like, did I eat eat something wrong during pregnancy where my baby just like is <laughs> is so energetic she doesn't stop moving? Like I'm like, what did I do? What was I taking when I was pregnant? No, but it I know. just it's just who she is. And yeah. and it's she's so great. And the next baby is gonna be probably be different. And yeah. that's fine too. But it's like, I was constantly looking for just a one size fits all, like give me a, a handbook. Like, what do mm-hmm. I do? And it's just, there is none. Yeah. Like the, the whole book. Right. The what to expect when expecting, like it, it only goes so far, like it can prepare you for some things, but it absolutely does not prepare you for your baby's temperament. You just have to learn who they are with time. And it's like you, I love who she is. And I'm just, we're just willing to go with the flow with her. Like she'll, she'll dictate when she's ready to sleep through the night. Right now she still needs us Mm -hmm. and she's getting better about it. And she'll cry for two seconds. I'll, you know, pat her back and she'll go back to bed and then she'll wake up 15 minutes (laughs) later and I'll have to do it all over again. But it just, she needs the reassurance and she needs like a lot of love. And that's just who she is. And I love like giving her that love. And I'm excited to see who she becomes 
when she's older because she's just like the most fun, wild child with all the energy in the world that doesn't sleep. My mom's like, there should be a study of, of her. Like they need to make a pill, whatever Piper has going on in her. Like we all need some of it. I love that you appreciate those qualities in her. She's so lucky to have you for a mom and to have, you know, parents that accept her and, and support her in that way. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been so fun to talk to you in person and I would love for people to be able to find you and follow you and, where can we find out about your release of your upcoming lullaby album? Tell us all of the things. Thank you so much. So it is not quite in the works, but it is also in the works, if that makes any sense. So planning stages, early stages. Yes. Yes. And this has been like a long time coming. Like I said, I was going to release this before I had Piper and clearly that didn't happen. And it's a little bit harder now with her here, but I will be announcing any updates via Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel, just youtube.com slash Lauren Paley, where you'll find more full length covers. Right now, I've been focusing a lot on short form content just because it's easier for me at this stage of my life, but I'm definitely wanting to get back into doing long form videos. But you can find me on Instagram, just Lauren underscore Paley there. And TikTok, Lauren Paley there, just my name. You search me, my just find random videos of me singing in dresses or singing in a stairwell. (laughs) Easy. Okay. And I'll put all of that linked in the show notes too. Lauren, thank you so much again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's so fun. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.